This is the sermon that was preached at Redwood Reformation Church on the 13th of May. Before I read it, I need to let you know some of the context for this sermon. The day before it was delivered, we had been told that one of the key prospective elders was stepping down from ministry and eldership contention. This threw us into a fair amount of uncertainty about the future of the church. As you will hear, many of the applications were directed toward our specific situation. Even though you were all outside of our situation, I thought it would be good to let you in on what we have been going through and how we've been applying the scriptures to it. Because of the limited time I had, I was not able to set up the recording gear that morning, so that is why this sermon is being read from home. The passage I preached from that day was Psalm 131. I'll begin the sermon now by reading that passage. A Song of Ascent of David O Yahweh, my heart is not exalted, and my eyes are not raised high, and I do not involve myself in great matters, or in matters too marvelous for me. Surely I have soothed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, wait for Yahweh from now until forever. In this passage, the godly King David sings to God about how he has soothed and quieted his soul and waits on Yahweh. Do you think this might be a good passage for us today? Anyone feeling a bit anxious about the future? Would you like some of this David-like calmness while waiting on the Lord? I certainly would. Since I've been working through the Psalms of Ascent, I had this passage lined up to preach in the next few weeks. I'd read this passage many times, but I hadn't started doing any real prep until 8.30 last night. But as I came back to the text, I saw that God has given us the perfect passage for our current church situation. God is sovereign over our individual circumstances, and He is sovereign over the circumstances of this church. We know that He has sovereignly brought our situation about, but at this time, we couldn't possibly know with any certainty what He has planned for our future. But in this uncertainty, we can and should work toward having soothed and quieted souls, resting in the hand of our sovereign and caring Lord. There are things that we shouldn't fret ourselves about, things too high for us, things that He knows all about, but things that we couldn't know about. So we should, as the last verse says, calmly wait on Yahweh from now until forever. Humanly speaking, that is hard to do. Hopefully this passage today will help us to have the peace that goes beyond understanding as we move forward at Redwood. Let's look at the details of the passage, starting with the first verse. O Yahweh, my heart is not exalted, and my eyes are not raised high, and I do not involve myself in great matters, or in matters too marvelous for me. How do we understand what David is saying here? What are these great matters? Remember, David was a king. King David said these things. Is there any greater matter to involve yourself in than being the king of Israel? David said, I do not involve myself in great matters, but we know that most of the matters he involved himself in were of the highest order. A lot of scripture was written to tell us about the things he was involved in, and since God includes only a limited amount of things in scripture, 
it is fair to say that David was involved in many great matters. But this is his own account of his life. He said that he didn't involve himself in matters too marvelous for him. So how are we to understand this? Think about how David came to be king. I think it is important for us to consider that he did not seek that position himself. He was tending sheep when he was called to be king by God through Samuel. He was summoned. He was interrupted while he was doing his humble work and God exalted him. God involved him in great matters. So David didn't seek the exaltation that came from being king. God exalted him to that position. David's life showed one of the principles that our Lord taught us in the Gospel of Matthew. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus said this as he was rebuking the Pharisees. They sought honor from being in the prominent position of an instructor. Jesus said to them, Neither be called instructors, that is, do not seek the title of instructor, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. The Pharisees exalted their hearts. Their eyes were lifted high. They involved themselves in great matters, too marvelous for them in their arrogance. David did not. Even when he was exalted to the high place of the king of Israel, his heart was lowly. Even there, he did not seek matters too great for him. He was obedient to God's call in whatever situation he found himself in. This is the lesson that Calvin drew from David's example here. Quote, In this, David teaches us a very useful lesson, and one by which we should be ruled in life, to be contented with the lot which God has marked out for us, to consider what he calls us to, and not to aim at fashioning our own lot, to be moderate in our desires, to avoid entering upon rash undertakings, and to confine ourselves cheerfully within our own sphere instead of attempting great things. End quote. Highly exalted King David teaches us this. We must, like him, evaluate ourselves soberly, mind, body, and soul. Don't try to be the man when you're not. You will be humbled. This principle of humbling the proud is woven into the fabric of the universe. Don't be proud. Let God exalt you in time. We must know ourselves. Who has God called you to be? Don't stretch out beyond that. Don't force yourself into things too high for you. Of course, everyone should seek personal growth, but we have to be sober-minded about it. If God wants to raise you up beyond where you are now, He will. Let Him do it. Don't try to engineer things. Don't use cunning or clever facades. Don't be proud. This kind of sober-mindedness that I'm talking about is something that I'm sure we can all work into our lives more. So let's think for a minute. How could we apply this principle of sober-mindedness to ourselves individually and in our homes? What are some great matters that we shouldn't be involving ourselves in? Well, theological pride is a big one. 
especially for men, and especially for reformed types in general. We've got to be sober-minded and ask ourselves some harder, more practical questions. Where are you failing in your walk? What are some things you need to work on? Practically, where are some places that I need to do some hard thinking? Those are the questions we might need to be asking ourselves, not how the ideal theonomic state will pave the roads. That is a matter too great for most of us. Do we really need a bigger head? Is our current need the most pristine of theology informed by all the historic arguments and debates of the early church? That is not the greatest need for most of us. Most charismatics need some more theology. They could use a whole lot more depth to their thinking. A brand new Christian needs some good theology too. But even in these cases, we need to be careful how we do discipleship. We could involve them in matters that are too great for them also. Does a brand new Christian, with a messed up marriage and an ongoing drug dependency, need to know the finer points of limited atonement? No, they don't. They need milk, not meat. What do you and your house need? Soberly evaluate your life with your family situation, with your work situation, with your skills, with your previous learning, with your current struggles, what matters should you not be involving yourself in? Do we want God to exalt us in time? Well, we better not be exalting our heart and seeking things too great for us. Our eyes better not be raised too high. We need to be like David, and we will find the result will be as our passage says, a quiet soul. Let's read verse 2 now. Remember, this follows everything that we've just considered. It says, Surely I have soothed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. David's humility looked and felt like this, internal quietness, a soothed spirit, the relief of inner turmoil. Think about how ridiculous it is to strive for things beyond your capacity to grasp. Striving, forcing your life into that ideal future you had lined up for yourself. Think about it. Once you catch up to that thing you've been striving for, that thing too great for you, are you going to want what you've now got? The thing is too great for you, remember? You can't handle the greatness. It's too much. You shouldn't want things you can't handle. Things you can't handle are unbearable burdens. But we seek things too great for us all the time, and we load ourselves down with excessive cares. Better to be exalted by the God who knows what you are capable of. He knows when you're ready for greater matters. While you're waiting, you can kick back. God's got it sorted. If it's his will, he'll exalt you in time. Do you feel embarrassed and anxious that at 38, you struggle financially, you don't own a house and have nothing of the respect that comes from being well off? Those things are obviously too great for you, Jared. Be content, and God may yet exalt you. This is how this passage applies. Do you wish to be a theological boss? 
How about you humble yourself, look at your situation, and learn how to love your wife first? God may make you a theological chad in time, but you've got to start in the right place. Do you want to be a super mum? Before you start your mummy blog, first learn how to not fly off the handle at your husband and your kids, and have a good attitude when doing the dishes. We have to be sober-minded, know where you are in your walk, and humbly work from there. And your mental health will improve. Humbly acknowledge you are like a child, immature and needy, having many things to learn. And know that it is right and good for you to be where you are right now. It is one of the key things for mental well-being. Even when we feel that we are doing well, we should always be childlike. The soothed soul is one that knows how low it really is, and because it trusts in God, it is cool with it. King David compared his soothed soul to a weaned child, one just off the breast. How is this image fitting? You might think that a child still on the breast would be a more fitting image of soothing or finding calmness. But that is not what the image of a weaned child is supposed to be conveying here. The soothing that David speaks of is one that comes from having intellectual humility, not a general comfort from God's provision, like that of a mother. He is teaching the same principle that Jesus taught us about the true disciple becoming childlike. Matthew 18, 2-4 says, And calling to him a child, Jesus put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. David had become like a child, just as Jesus called on his disciples to be childlike. David's soul was like a weaned child within him. He wasn't intellectually proud. He was willing and open, like a child, to the teachings of his father. He had none of the intellectual barriers that know-it-all adults have. David's heavenly father taught him from his word, and he humbly responded with, Okay, that's how it is. Many people respond to the plain teachings of God's word with, Yeah, but God, what about the time it would take for the light of the stars to travel to earth from billions of light years away? That kind of questioning is stupid adult behavior. We must believe the word of God and we dare not subvert it or go beyond it. There are things too marvelous for us so there is much we must receive like a simple child. For example, the Bible says God is sovereign over all human actions. And it also says that man is responsible for those actions. Can our limited brains square those two things? No. But we better believe them. And we better not twist them to fit into our categories of thought. There are truly things far too great for us. And when we come up against them in our reading, we should say with Paul, O oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counsellor, 
or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. As teachers, we have to be particularly careful that we don't try to answer the unanswerable. There is a point where we need to shut our mouths. If we can't back up our neat-sounding fringe theological concepts with Scripture, we better be quiet. We better be like David. Quiet our souls before the Lord and be like children, receiving our instruction from the one true instructor. Now we get to the main point of the psalm found in the last verse, the instruction to Israel. Let's read it in verse 3. O Israel, wait for Yahweh from now until forever. Israel had to wait. Wait for what? I think it's clear from what we've already read in this passage. There were things they didn't know, things that were in the secret will of God. They could choose to patiently trust on Him while lacking knowledge of the future, or arrogantly run ahead of themselves and act on their own empty wisdom. Calvin sums up the lesson in this command this way. Our hope is of the right kind when we cherish humble and sober views of ourselves and neither wish nor attempt anything without the leading and approbation of God. What a great lesson for us today. There is so much we don't know about the future of this church. Your future may be with Redwood, but it may not be. Let's be like children. Let's be patient. Let's wait on Yahweh. He is sovereign. The Lord might yet choose to exalt himself through the growth of this church. Let's leave that to him and be soothed by the truth of our lowliness in the meantime. I know we'll talk about this later. We need to talk about this later. But let's not do it in a fretful way. Let's trust in God, even as we work out the uncertainty of our future. And now, let's express this kind of faith with this psalm as we sing it. <laughs> 